Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, it's my mom. Mama. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Friday, February 16th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Gabby Birkin for the vacationing Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you early this morning here on this Friday after Ash Wednesday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app as we get ready for the weekend and the first Sunday in Lent. As we do every Friday, let's remember the sacred heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, even though Lent is underway, if you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, it is still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Let's uh, get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. As Father Rocky always says, that's relevantradio.com slash Lent. I want to bring in my partner, uh, Glenn. Hey, Glenn, uh, good morning. What are a few of the big stories making headlines on this uh, Friday morning? from Kansas City and that Super Bowl celebration shooting. There was a vigil last night for the victims. Uh, there were, of course, uh, many shots and uh, deaths involved as well. And turns out the uh, the shooting wasn't, you know, a, a lone shooter trying to kill as many people as possible, but uh, a dispute handled with guns with many, many caught in the crossfire. Yeah, it was uh, just a, a horrible situation, and um, it, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, we, uh, we we count our blessings that there was only uh, one fatality, uh, quite very unfortunate, uh, of course, uh, uh, among all the, the wounded. In fact, the couple that tackled the shooter was uh, on Fox and Friends. I hear somebody, you know, yell, you know, get him. I look to my left, I see a flash. Um, I, 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 I tackle that individual. This other gentleman also aids me in that. I don't, I, I, it's probably from a lack of good sense. As bad as it was, guys, do you realize, Trey, how many lives you probably saved? I, I, let's hope so. Glenn, heartbreaking situation. In fact, uh, the mother that died never made it to the hospital. We're talking about Lisa Lopez-Galvan, a local radio DJ and a parishioner at Sacred Heart Guadalupe Parish in Kansas City. And uh, um, according to uh, reports uh, from Variety uh, magazine, uh, Taylor Swift donated $100,000 uh, to the family. Ah, oh, that's... Uh... Very nice thing to do, absolutely, and you know to see to see good, you know, in the midst of such evil, right? Uh, people tackling the bad guys to save more lives, uh, folks with capacity helping out uh, those that are in a tough situation. Yeah, and we're going to uh, talk about how to how to deal with these types of shootings uh, it, momentarily uh, uh, with a longtime Morning Air contributor uh, Rhonda Stark, who is a licensed uh, clinical counselor. So uh, she'll be joining us here in a moment. Um, what uh, a couple of other uh, stories and headlines this morning? Well, President Trump's uh, court woes continue. Now a ruling expected today in the civil fraud tile, and that's in New York. Judge overseeing the case. He's already found uh, that Trump engaged in fraud, deciding now what penalties as far as how much he and the company 
should pay State Attorney General Letitia James looking for $370 million. Uh, elsewhere, a ruling against timing Donald Trump's hush money trial will go ahead as scheduled. Jury selection will start March 25th. Uh, another New York judge ruled that uh, yesterday turning aside demands for a delay from Trump's defense lawyers. They argued it would interfere with the campaign. A decision uh, means the first of Trump's four criminal prosecutions will go to trial, and that's centered on accusations he sought to, sought to bury stories about extramarital affairs that arose during the 2016 presidential run. Other cases against him uh, include one in Georgia that he was plotting to overturn results of the 2020 election, but uh, the prosecution uh, finding some difficulties uh, there. Fulton County DA Fawny Willis back in courts determining if she should be tossed from the case because of misconduct. So uh, all kinds of different things going on there, John. Uh, a busy, uh, a busy day, and uh, it's going to continue uh, from the legal perspective. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Hey, sir. Think that. We start every morning here on the show, always in prayer, always giving thanks uh, to our Lord for all the many blessings as we pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And we continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine, peace in our nation, peace in our church and in our families. And, of course, we continue to pray for the victims of uh, the Kansas City uh, shootings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the playbook of life this morning is from Luke 11, 9, and 10. Jesus the Lord says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. During this Lent, we're called to prayer, to pray with great childlike trust. The Lord wants us to pray with gratitude and to keep on asking, knowing that the Lord knows what is best for us. God answers our prayers if uh, they're according to his will. We may not always like the answer, but we should never, ever quit. Don't give up. Keep on knocking, keep on seeking and asking because God will answer you. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer from the chaplain of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. As always, uh, you can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, uh, the police chief in Kansas City says that the Super Bowl mass shooting on Wednesday started as a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves held a press conference yesterday on Thursday to uh, update the press on the ongoing investigation, uh, announcing uh, that uh, prosecutors were still working on bringing charges for killing one woman and injuring 22 others. First and foremost... I want to stress that preliminary investigative findings have shown there was no nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. 
This appeared to be a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. The 22 victims age range between eight years old and 47 years old. At least half of our victims are under the age of 16. It's absolutely uh, so shocking uh, to go uh, from a family event celebrating the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl uh, to uh, listening to gunshots being fired and having to literally run for your life. Tens of thousands of families were on hand uh, for a massive crowd. And uh, how uh, are they and our our country really uh, coping after witnessing uh, another tragic event like that? Uh, Rhonda Stark is joining us live this morning from Canton, Ohio to talk about uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, parade shooting and how parents and kids can cope with another senseless shooting. Rhonda has 24-plus years of experience as a licensed clinical counselor and holds a supervisory status to endorse new graduates for licensure. She is a graduate of Yale University Executive Management Program. Uh, She's a a frequent expert guest providing psychological analysis of the news to more than 1,200 radio shows across the country. Good morning. Rhonda, welcome back to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, and it's great to be back with you, though it's always under these kind of sad circumstances. Yeah, Rhonda, you know, I immediately thought of you. In fact, Glenn and I were, were talking about it um, yesterday. And, uh, you know, first of all, I wanted to get to your, you know, professional experience as a, as a, cl- a clinical counselor. Uh, when, you, when you heard of yet another uh, tragic shooting, uh, this time at a joyous uh, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade celebration, what was your reaction? Well, probably the same as as you and and most of the listeners is we were surprised when we first hear about these children uh, right away to hear that there would be 11 children um, under the age of 15. Um, And, you know, we we look at that and it's not, you know, you hear a lot of terrible news, but when you hear about this young group of children involved, um, I think a lot of people went to the the TV or to their news article right away because we want to figure out why and how and who would ever do this. Uh, with a group of children. When we go to a parade, whether it's at Disney World or our local parade, um, we always, you know, we know there's going to be probably about half the people there are going to be children because parades are really for families. And so the first thought that I had was much the same as you is, um, who are these people that would do this? And, and where where do they, you know, where do they come from? What would lead them to do this? Uh, we all grasp for understanding in these circumstances. We all want to know why, like, how can this be? And so I think a lot of um, the listeners today, as they talk with their, their young children about this and their spouses and, and their families and just, you know, wanting to understand it, um, most events that you go to, such as soccer or cheerleading or any kind of event that have small children, you'll see the 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds all, you know, kind of taking good care of the little ones and, you know, looking out for them, talking about, you know, how sweet they are, how fun they are, how precious they are. And when you hear that it was uh, two juveniles that are still being held at this point and you hear about uh, the 11 individuals that uh, went to the Mercy Children's Hospital in Kansas City, um, you you have to try to think where where and how did this happen. Um, many of the listeners, you know, these are families that they go to church on the weekends. They have dinners um, at a table um, with all of the members of the family present. Um, they come from situations where 
this type of, of shooter would never come from um, because when you have your place of belonging and you have that family unit, um, you have uh, at least one parent or grandparent intact at home taking care of you, um, that's not what we're likely to see unfold when they release the backgrounds at some point of these shooters. Um, the type of person that would do something like this um, is definitely someone from a neighborhood that may be um, just chaotic or uh, like disorganized, not a lot of community events happening in that in that neighborhood that that person would be involved in. From a family where there's a lot of dysfunction, um, very likely um, from a place where there's one or two parents with alcohol or drug issues. Um, it's something that like that that would be the background. So when we start to try to figure it out, which I know even as of last night, um, there still is no description given with the two juveniles of, of where they may have come from, what their circumstances were, or how they could have done this. So what I'm presenting is just the most likely scenario um, from mental health field of, of what these two um, possible shooters uh, would have come from. Well, Rhonda, we now know that the, the shooting uh, was the result of uh, of a dispute uh, amongst themselves. And uh, yeah. But you got to wonder, you know, how could anybody do something like that at, at such right. a joyous celebration with hundreds of thousands of Chiefs fans and all these families on hand and have so little regard uh, for human life? I mean, whatever argument it is, you know, if you're shooting into the air, people are going to die. People are going to get hurt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when they stated that one of the shooters even was like spinning around, turning while doing it. So clearly in their peripheral vision would not have even known um, who was being shot at. And so definitely, and that's where we try to understand, um, you know, our minds have anxiety until we start to get an understanding. And right now our country is reeling with this event that was supposed to be celebration and joy. And now instead there's anxiety. When you see um, anything about this in the media or friends are talking about it, you get anxiety. So um, one thing I always hope to to do is to try to bring a little a little um, bit of peace if we can in these these circumstances to the listeners and to try to start to understand what you know that the two people that are still being held if they're the ones that have done this um, they they don't come from a place that you do or that I do or that that most of these listeners do and so it's a, it's a circumstance of a person that doesn't have that same compassion and love for for families and children and those natural instincts that God gives us it's it's likely people that don't have those and you know, alcohol, drugs, all kinds of circumstances can cause people not to retain a strong sense of what God made us all with, with those feelings that we have toward others. And um, so it's just starting to bring a little understanding to that and helping the parents at home that their children may ask or the next parade or crowded event that comes up, the children may ask, you know, their parents will remember what happened at that Kansas City parade, you know, after the the football, the Super Bowl victory. Um, you know, are we safe mom are we safe dad and helping those parents to have those conversations with the kids about it um, and even if they're in passing this morning or on the way to school ask about it and really the best thing to do is for the parent 
to make sure that they're calm when they talk about it because our, our children pick up on, um, you know, if we're talking very speedily because we're nervous or if we're sweating when we're talking, they kind of sense that. Um, so if our vitals are, you know, our heart rate is up, our kids are going to perceive that. So I always want parents to be as calm as they can. Like don't come from, from hearing uh, the news story, being upset yourself, and then going and talking to your child. Rather, make certain that you, you know, deep breathe and calm down and come from a place of peace. Um, maybe after you do your morning rosary, after you do your devotion, uh, go at that time and talk to your child calmly and explain and don't over-explain. Um, some parents, you know, they want to console and just, you know, hug tightly and, and just over-console their child. But we don't want to do that either because it it creates in a child's mind the idea that this must be really something really, really bad. It's out of control and they get a little nervous about that. So we come from a place of calmness. We just answer any questions they have. If there are any kind of mental health or developmental issues the child is going through, um, we consider that when we're answering the questions. We modify what we say based on that and we try to keep it brief and we always encourage these uh, these young children, um, make sure that you get through the story. If, if it's something that they know a whole lot about, make sure you get through the story with them four times, you know, not just one, but four times in a casual way. So especially for those in Kansas City area that are listeners, if you, of course, you would have a friend or a family member or someone from your church that was at the event. If you have some relationship or connection, make sure that you get to talk to a family or friend and talk through this at least four times because you need your heart to be able to, you know, feel those feelings that you have and you want to talk about what happened before, during, and after to someone close to you so that you can get through it in the most healthy way you can individually. And Rhonda, as um, I saw what was happening in, in real time, I happened to switch on the TV and, and catch all of the coverage. I couldn't help but think to myself uh, of uh, my own a child uh, a few years back in 2016 when my son was eight years old. I took him to the Chicago Cubs World Series Championship Parade with about five million people uh, on hand uh, in, in Chicago's lakefront. And, you know, I, I you, you just can't even imagine, you know, going to a celebration like that where it's supposed to be fun and joy and you're picking up confetti and you're getting souvenirs and you're having a good time. And then all of a sudden it all breaks out and gun, gun, gunshots firing and you're running for your life. And that's, that's all I could yeah. think of as a parent, just how upsetting it must be for any parent uh, that was at that uh, rally, uh, anybody that was affected. Yes. And like you said, you think back to similar circumstances that you were in with your children and you, you just think about the, you know, this, this, if it happened, then it could have been anywhere. What would you do? Or what if your child, you know, has that same thought? Like, hey, dad, guess what? You know, I guess I keep thinking about when we went to that event. Um, wow, you know, I'm glad we're okay. And, and is there, you know, is there anything that we could do if we went again to be safe? And those are conversations that have answers. And um, in some of those situations, um, you know, I always let my children know. My children, you know, they're they're growing up, right? They're teenagers and, and one is a young adult now. Um, we still have these conversations of what you do if you're in that situation. Um, anytime there's a very crowded place, you want to let your kids know, hey, just, just in case anything happens, what, you know, here, do you see that pole over there? Do you see that um, little place where you can get a hot dog? 
that's where we're going to meet. If that's a good, you know, if that looks like a safe place, that's where we're going to go. You always want to have, and of course you're grabbing your kids and going in a direction of safety, but if for some reason you get separated, um, you know, when you, a quick story, but when you take driving classes, um, and, and for example, the state of Florida, they teach you always have a lot of distance that you can go in front of you and beside you and have ideas where you can go to be safe when driving. The same principle holds true when we're in crowded places. Make sure you're keeping you know, an eye on where's the place I can go in front of me and where can I go on either side of me if I need to. And as a parent of their young children, keep that in mind as they become teenagers and go places themselves. It's always a good idea not, not to you know, not to think too much about it, but just very, very quickly when you go to a place like that, get that in mind. And that gives individuals a sense of control and confidence when they enter those situations. Um, Rhonda, less than a minute uh, left. Uh, your final thoughts. My final thoughts are, um, if you're feeling anxiety today, um, go to childrensmercy.org website. They did a beautiful job in um, setting up a way for everyone, no matter who you are, to get through the situation. If you're in California, if you're in Kansas City, wherever, they have great guidelines. Additionally, there are two things I encourage parents to do. Uh, there is a place you can hit a tab that says send a message at childrensmercy.org. You can send a message to the children or the family and it's free. All you do is hit that little tab, send an inspirational message. It'll put your children in a place where they feel like they did something to help these families. And um, it's, you know, in times like this, we all want to be able to do something. There's also the emergency fund button as well. But um, I encourage people just to send the message. Well, Rhonda, we um, are united in prayer uh, for uh, the good people of, of Kansas City and in a special way uh, for uh, Lisa Lopez Galvin, the, the, the mother of two uh, who, who died, a Catholic, a local radio DJ. Can you imagine the grief that that family is going through? Oh, how, how sad. Thank you uh, so much for, for being with us. Really appreciate uh, your expert uh, perspective. Thank you. Rhonda Stark, a board-certified, licensed, professional clinical counselor with us here on Morning Air. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Dr. J.J. Wright, the director of the University of Notre Dame Folk Choir, will be with us to talk about evangelizing and reaching new and young audiences through the power of music. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Friday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. And yes, we are going to talk about the, the beauty and the power of music here in a moment. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for Joining us on this Friday after Ash Wednesday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. It's always a joy to be with you, our Relevant Radio family. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Now, when it comes to evangelizing young people, music is a fantastic tool to do it. Our next guest knows that and partnered up with Brother Isaiah of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal to launch a new album, Mysteries and Medicines. Listen to part of the first single, Blind Man, uh, that was uh, just recently released. Take 
Live is Dr. J.J. Wright, the director of the Notre Dame Folk Choir, to talk about evangelizing and reaching new and young audiences through music. J.J. has established himself as an eclectic and prolific musician, composer, and director in both jazz and sacred music. Uh, he's uh, trained in jazz at the New uh, School for Jazz in New York City and studies sacred music in Rome. Good morning, J.J. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again here on Morning Air. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, JJ, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about the Notre Dame uh, Folk Choir. Yeah, we, um, we're a choir of uh, about 65 predominantly undergraduate students, and it's a liturgical choir, so we sing at Mass at the Basilica of the Sacred Heart every Sunday uh, at noon during the academic year. Wow, that is uh, an absolutely uh, magnificent uh, basilica. I've had the joy of being there a, a number of times, and uh, it's got to be really special to be able to perform in, in such a beautiful and sacred place. It really is, and it's the, the best part really is getting to introduce the students to uh, just the incredible tradition of music that we have in the Catholic Church and, and getting to perform it in such a beautiful place as part of the liturgy is really uh, something that just keeps getting better. Uh, JJ, how did you get um, connected with Brother Isaiah of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal? Well, uh, back in 2009, um, my wife and I had just gotten married. We moved to New York City, and uh, an old music teacher of mine knew the Franciscans, uh, and he asked if uh, I might be willing to help them play uh, by playing piano for their liturgies. And so um, we got to know him that way. I started to go and play for some of their feast day masses. And then they invited us to come up to this um, homeless shelter that they run up in the Bronx. And so we started going every Friday and we would cook dinner and um, we would hang out with a couple of the friars that were kind of um, staffing the place that night. And uh, that's where I first met um, Brother Isaiah. Um, and uh, we got to play music a couple times and kind of just bond over this thing where we were both young in our vocations and, and trying to discern, you know, kind of what God had in store for our lives. Uh, Brother Isaiah is uh, is part of that uh, beautiful community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal there in the in the Bronx. Uh, we've had a few of them here on on the, on the show. They do uh, fantastic work uh, working with the poor and uh, you know, and in addition to that obviously they have musical talents as well. Yeah, exactly. They so many, they, they attract so many young, young people to their order and, um, and also just so many people who are creative, um, brother Isaiah, of course, being one of them. And, um, it's been amazing getting to kind of walk with him over the past almost 15 years and see, um, just how his gifts have been cultivated. And, um, he had an album called Poco a Poco back in 2018. I got to play some keyboards on that. Um, and then this newest album that you've played the two clips from uh, called Mysteries and Medicines um, will come out in June. But we've got these two singles out and um, and I had the chance to produce it um, kind of in partnership with him. And it's just been such an incredible journey so far. 
Well, you're producing the the, the new album, uh, but uh, you have, uh, uh, from what I saw in the credits, you you had a, a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, a lot. You you got your hands in in many aspects of the production. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Where as a producer, you kind of wear whatever hat is necessary. So I played some keyboards, did some background vocals. You know, really, and anything that's needed is is kind of where um, I wanted to be able to help out. So. Um, so yeah, it was it was a fun project, and I'm so glad to have been able to contribute in in the different ways that I was. Uh, let's talk about uh, one of uh, of those uh, um, uh, tunes, uh, "Blind Man," uh, which was, uh, I believe, re- released in in January. Tell us about the inspiration behind uh, this first single. Yeah, "Blind Man" is a fun song, and it's um, it's really uh, "Blind Man" itself is kind of one word, proper name. Um, and I know um, Brother Isaiah's intention there is is for us to all kind of embrace and understand this understanding that we are all this blind man that he's talking about the song in the song. It's this person who um, doesn't have a full view of what it means yet for to be in full relationship with God. And so um, this song is really kind of meant to be an invitation. The, the chorus that you played there says, take me by the hand and lead me. And it's really this petition to God to kind of take us in our in our blindness and show us um, what what life can be. And uh, th- this particular uh, song is uh, is very appropriate here uh, uh, to meditate on, and, and especially the message uh, during this Lenten season. Absolutely, both both of these two songs I think are are especially good for the Lenten season. The the second one being Exodus, of course. Um, and, you know, kind of representative of the, of the 40, 40 days of Lent, but also the, the 40 years that the Israelites kind of traversed um, the desert. And um, that song similarly is, um, it's, a, it's a journey of pilgrimage. And the, the refrain in that song is, love is an exodus from me to you. And you kind of get this really interesting interplay between the different sections of the song, um, almost like a big stylistic jump. And I think it's just a, a really beautiful illustration too of what this pilgrimage is about, this, this journey from, from ourselves to God. And um, I hope that this music can, can help the people who hear it um, kind of grow closer to God by listening. JJ, what, what is your, your vision for um, Young people who uh, tune in uh, to these uh, to these songs and to your album, uh, do you see it as as something um, you know that they could be praying with? How, how do you envision uh, the music uh, you know being being used? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, of course, we hope that it it helps um, people deepen their relationship with God that they can pray along with it. Um, we also hope that it's it's music that people just like listening to and. Um, kind of will will add to their playlist and, and have on as part of their regular rotation. Because the thing about music is that it's um, it can speak to you in ways that sometimes words can't. Um, and both of these songs, I think, have that power to be able to just kind of, um, they're very invitational. They're very um, kind of welcoming places. And in those spaces, to be able to, to kind of um, become familiar with God's voice um, would just be such an incredible gift, I think, um, both for us as the, the people who created it, but hopefully for anybody who is able to, um, to listen and, 
and take part in it as well. Can you talk a little bit uh, about just the the power uh, of music uh, to touch hearts uh, and uh, to evangelize and reach uh, especially uh, young people uh, who are always searching uh, for for God? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you know one of the things that that we see so so much right now um, in our culture is that um, sometimes there can just be an aversion to to anything having to do with religion or anything having to do with relationship with God, um, which, which can instantly close us off to, to anything that kind of might nudge us in that direction. And one of the things that music can do is um, it can kind of just, you know, sneak right past the intellect into our hearts and um, especially move it, music that moves a little bit, you know, you kind of can, can, can move along with it and, um, you know, th- our hope really is that, you know, this, this thing that this power that music has to, to invite us and to kind of walk with us as we live our lives is something that, um, you know, especially with, with the, the power of Father, Brother Isaiah's words is something that can, can really kind of just reintroduce people to a relationship with God or, or strengthen people's already existing relationship with God. You know, when when I think uh, of music touching young people, I can't help but think of World Youth Day as an example. You know, where they have, you know, it's, it's at times it's almost like a rock concert for Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think so much of the ability to kind of get wrapped up into it is that communal sense of um, of just belonging to something that's bigger than yourself. And and music, you know, that's another thing that that music can make you feel like. Uh, JJ, uh, folks that are listening this morning, where, where can they, um, um, you know, plug into uh, Blindman and Exodus uh, and perhaps help to support uh, the work of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal? Yeah, you know, you can find both of these songs on wherever you listen to music. So Apple Music or Spotify or YouTube, um, any of these places, if you search for Brother Isaiah or Blind Man or Exodus, you'll be able to find them and and one of the things that's so great about um, about this release is, you know, by listening to this, you're really supporting the ministry and work of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. So we'd encourage people to listen, to add it to your playlists, and and share it with a friend as well. Well, I really appreciate uh, you being uh, with us uh, here on Morning Air this morning uh, to, to uh, talk about uh, these uh, new songs and, and this new album, Mysteries and Medicines. JJ, uh, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, many blessings to you uh, the rest of this Lent. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Dr. J.J. Wright, the director of the University of Notre Dame Folk Choir. And now we need to take a, a short uh, time out. When we come back, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg will look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leveron. So stay with us. There is uh, much more to come on uh, this edition of Morning Air. Welcome back to Morning Air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you, and now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. 
Always keep in mind that the Word of God in the Gospels, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, is powerful. When the Gospel, the Book Eternal, is proclaimed, Christ is passing by. Jesus is speaking to you. So listen carefully, folks, as Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Bishop of Reno, Nevada, shares his weekly reflection on this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leverance. A Gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 12 through 5. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the deserts, and he remained in the desert for forty days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Time now for a deeper look at that gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent comes out of Mark 1, verses 12 through 15. It's our Lord in the desert. Bishop Muggenberg, thanks for joining us today. And great to be here, Glenn. Well, as we get Lent underway, we uh, look at a time of uh, privation, a, a time of deeper prayer, a time of thinking of others, too, with almsgiving. Uh, among the things that we'll be talking about today as we look at Jesus in the desert. And whenever we approach the season of Lent, it is all of those things that you just mentioned. Um, But it's really primarily a time for repentance. And repentance is a very positive experience in the Gospels. Repentance simply means a change of mind. And along with that change of mind is a corresponding change of life. So one of the ways in which we change our mind so as to think the ways of God and to take on the mind of Christ is by recognizing some of those false priorities, distorted values, and um, and other temptations that maybe have infiltrated our lives. And through the grace of Christ, we um, have the, the ability to overcome those um, so that we are free to do the will of God. Ultimately, that's what Lent is really about, that repentance, that beautiful process of conforming our mind to the mind of Christ and our lives to the gospel. Bishop Muggenberg, and some of those distractions in our, our day and age that want to pull us away from worshiping and honoring our Lord, learning about Him, communing with Him as we should, are they uh, our modern-day version of those wild beasts that our Lord had to deal with? Well, uh, Mark's Gospel has this very curious phrase that Jesus was among the wild beasts while He was in the desert for 40 days, and that angels ministered to Him. Now, those are really both allusions back to Genesis. Uh, because we were told that, you know, in the beginning of creation, um, that mankind lived in harmony with the wild beasts. And um, and so Jesus is being presented in Mark's gospel as kind of a new Adam, someone who's able to restore um, the lost harmony, uh, which is a result of original sin. And he does it, of course, through his obedience to the Father. Yet we need to remember that those beasts are violent and threatening. And so Jesus will continue to you know, be among wild beasts throughout his life and ministry, and especially in his passion on the cross. And throughout history, the church experiences that same, you know, ongoing uh, struggle with the presence of evil, um, trying to subvert and prevent the way of the gospel. Yet we should not lose sight of the fact that we are also being ministered to by angels, uh, as Jesus was in his life and ministry by the many people who helped him, supported him, um, assisted him. And also as the church has been um, through the lives of great saints and, 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 and other co-workers in the gospel. Is it kind of what we might think of as guardian angels uh, with us through the uh, trials of everyday life? 
Well, there are guardian angels, and God works both through the spiritual reality of angels as well as through the corporeal reality of his body, which is the church. And so, you know, all of us work together to assist each other in the Holy Spirit to carry out and advance that mission of God's kingdom. As we take a look at Jesus in the desert, 40 days, the amount of time the Bible says that uh, number 40 shows up a lot in Scripture, and especially maybe for the Jews of the day, it harkened back to 40 years in the wilderness. The number 40 in the Bible um, is a a very symbolic number. Uh, We see it appearing here, you know, with Jesus' 40 days in the desert. But as you mentioned, um, the number 40 really takes its meaning from that, that time of preparation going all the way back to the book of Genesis when we heard that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And that, of course, was to prepare the earth for a cleansing, which was a symbol of baptism, a cleansing of sin. Um, And Moses, um, not only did he lead the people for 40 years, but Moses himself even went into a 40-day period of intense prayer as part of his ministry of leadership. Uh, The same thing was true with Elijah. So the number 40 kind of is a biblical number uh, that represents a time of preparation. Um, and Jesus experiences this, this overcoming of temptation in the desert um, as his time of preparation for public ministry. And by the way, the church will undergo a similar 40-day period of preparation um, during the Easter season, um, and that's the 40 days between Easter Sunday and Ascension Thursday. And that's the time of preparation for the church to be able to receive the Holy Spirit and to carry on the mission of Jesus. Interesting point to note, too, uh, as Jesus began the ministry heading out into the desert, uh, it was the Spirit that drove him into the desert. Now, that is a detail that we really need to pay attention to, because so oftentimes when we experience moments of temptation, um, you know, we kind of perceive that as something that is a sign of God's absence. And yet the Lord does allow us to experience temptation so that God can bring good out of that situation. And um, experiences of being tested or being tempted can actually be very maturing experiences for us as disciples, because it allows us to come to terms with what are our real priorities and our real commitments. And it also acknowledges our ability to sacrifice for the Lord who gives himself in sacrifice to us on Calvary and in every Eucharist we celebrate. So in that sense, you know, God is driving Jesus or the Spirit is driving Jesus into the desert so that our Lord will undergo that purification, that preparation, and he will be resolute in his identity as the beloved Son of the Father. At this time of testing in the desert for our Lord, at the beginning of his ministry, John, in his ministry, was going full swing, and then he got arrested. But his message, of course, we recall, the same that our Lord had to repent. Yes, John very much prepares the way of Jesus, and he does it through his preaching. He even does it through his own witness of suffering for the sake of truth um, and the proclamation that he made about Herod and his unlawful marriage. And he also um, did it through the shedding of his own blood, which prefigures our Lord's death on the cross. So in every way, John was an appropriate figure, um, a preaching repentance, preparing the way of the Lord, and hopefully awakening within people that desire to hear the gospel that Jesus will proclaim. As we uh, really dive into the first full week of Lent here, when we, we think of adding prayer, adding almsgiving, and 
giving things up uh, with the last minute or so we have here. Any particular tips for us as we head now into Lent? I think the most important thing to remember during Lent is to remember what sacrifice really means. Sacrifice does not mean that we simply give something up or that we, you know, discard something that we value. Sacrifice really means that we make something holy. And of course, we can't make anything holy. Only God can. But God makes holy what we give to the Lord. And so sacrifice really means to hand over to God that which we want to be holy. And I hope that all of us as disciples of Jesus want our lives to be holy. And so this time of Lent is that opportunity for us to hand over to the Lord, especially those parts of our lives that are in need of His grace and His sanctification. Um, And those can often be the parts of our lives that need to be purified. So let's pray for the grace to eagerly join Jesus in the desert and pray for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to know our need for conversion and repentance and to readily embrace it so that we can experience the joy and the freedom of the gospel that the Lord so wants us to have. And a good idea too, Bishop Muggenberg, to be outward focused during this time so it's not just our own solo battle against chocolate or coffee? (laughs) Very true. You know, the the experience of self-denial is always meant to awaken us to the um, deprivation that others live with um, throughout their lives. And so hopefully it fosters a sense of compassion and sympathy and solidarity and generosity and a real desire to alleviate the suffering of others. So our practices of self-denial should always lead us to a practical expression of charity. Always a pleasure. Bishop Daniel Muggenberg from Reno, Nevada with us for a Gospel Reflection today for the first Sunday of Lent. If you'd be so kind, uh, Bishop Muggenberg, is to wrap us up this week with your blessing. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God, who freely sent His Son into the desert to be purified and prepared for ministry, give us the courage to join our Lord in this experience so that we too may celebrate the Paschal Mystery with hearts and minds renewed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Bishop Muggenberg. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called A Tree Limb in the Road by Joseph Mazzella. It's been another long, rough winter here in the mountains of my home. High winds, heavy snows, arctic cold, and drenching rains have all hit us taking their toll on people, power lines, even the trees around here. And today, as I looked at the broken branches littering my daughter's yard, it brought back memories from another rough winter several years ago. A foot of snow had fallen and was rapidly melting. The runoff from the hills had swollen the rivers, filled the ditches, and formed puddles in the road. In addition to this, broken and fallen tree limbs were everywhere. I was driving home and suddenly saw one of these limbs had broken off a tree overhanging the road and fallen across it. It was big enough to wreck my car if I didn't stop in time, so I stomped on the brakes and hit my emergency flashers. Thankfully, there were no other cars there yet, but I knew it would be only a matter of time before one crashed into that limb, maybe causing an injury or even a death. I quickly got out of my car and tried to pull the limb to the side of the road. It was a lot heavier than I thought it would be, but with a little prayer and a lot of grunting and groaning, I started to move it. Inch by inch, I pulled it off the road. When it was finally safely to the side, I stood up and smiled. Just as I did, though, a little red car raced around the curve and hit a pool of water in the road and splashed my pants. I shook my head and laughed at the absurdity of it all. Sometimes we all do good things in life only to get splashed with dirty water for our trouble. 
When this happens, just remember the real reason you do good is because of the love inside of you. The real reason you do good is because you are good. Do all the good you can then, everywhere you can, every chance you can. Do good and make the God who watches over you, walks beside you, and lives within you smile. Galatians 6, 9, and 10, let us not grow tired of doing good, for in due time we shall reap our harvest if we do not give up. So then while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those who belong to the family of the faith. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Sean Carney, the president and co-founder of 40 Days for Life, will be with us to discuss the Biden administration's fervent push for abortion rights. And he'll also talk about the current 40 Days for Life campaign that's going on in 658 cities all around the world. Plus, Father Richard Rocha, the chaplain of the Kansas City Chiefs, will be with us to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs winning back-to-back Super Bowl titles. And he'll also uh, give us his perspective as a chaplain on the tragic shooting that went on at the Chiefs' uh, victory parade. So stay with us. Uh, There is much more to come on this uh, Friday morning in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new and improved Relevant Radio app.